how y'all doing? Good? Hey, today we're going to talk about a guy named Saul. And he's not the Saul of New Testament Saul who turned to Paul who ended up being, you know, the big dude in the New Testament. We're going to talk about a guy in the Old Testament named Saul who was who? The first what? You can't answer that question. The first king of Israel, um, followed by David. So we're going to look at this guy. If you have your Bibles, um, go ahead and take them and, and open them up to uh, 1 Samuel 15. Uh, also, if you have an app on your phone, you can uh, look it up on your phone also. This is the only proper use of a cell phone in church, okay? So uh, make sure you got that there. 1 Samuel uh, 15 is where we're going to hang out uh, for a while, so get there, check it out. Let me give you just a little bit of background uh, on this, this guy named Saul, Okay? Uh, we first find him in a few chapters earlier in 1 Samuel uh, 9, where uh, he is described uh, as, and I quote, an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any of the others. Now, I read that, and I'm like, wow, thanks, they're describing me. I thought that was pretty nice, right? But I'm not that tall. So, um, According to the Old Testament, Saul was obviously set apart. He was much different than anybody else in all of Israel. Uh, He was a head taller. He was stronger. He was bigger. He was faster. For whatever reason, he had good lineage, good stock, good genes. He was obviously set apart. Now, you have to understand the Israelites were, I can't say that word, complaining and griping and moaning about wanting a king. Uh, they, they were irritated at the whole Moses thing and all this mess that was going on. They wanted somebody that they could look at and say, oh, hey, there's our king because we can't see God. And so God decided that, you know what, Saul is going to be the guy. So then in 1 Samuel chapter 10, just uh, the next chapter later, uh, him and this uh, prophet named Samuel, they begin to have a conversation. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. And there was a selection process that happens uh, as they select a king. Now, through the selection process, uh, Samuel already told Saul, listen, you're going to come have dinner with me. I'm going to pick you out. This is what's going to happen. Just be there. He's like, okay. Well, through the selection process, you would think that if the next king of Israel, the first king of Israel, would be sitting in the front row ready to go. Come to find out, Saul was hiding in some luggage in the back. He was scared to death, I'm, uh, I'm assuming, and, and he literally had to have two, three, four guys go get him, drag him in front of Samuel, so Samuel could anoint him as king. Now, it's in there, so it seems to me that he's just a little bit reluctant in this whole kingly mess, but we'll keep looking. So, today, uh, what's, what's the opposite of obedience? Okay, good, you know that word. Awesome. So I'm not going to break any hearts today because that's really what we're talking about. In 1 Samuel 13, Saul's first act of disobedience is found. Notice I said first. He made this sacrificial offering to God. He and Samuel, Samuel was the prophet. He was the guy that was supposed to do all the offerings. He was the high priest. He was all that in a bag of chips, right? And Saul was just the king. He was supposed to rule the people. And Samuel's job was to offer offerings, and Saul's job was to rule and, and lead the people. Samuel was running late. He got tied up in traffic on the 580, right? And so he gets there late. Samuel's like, I ain't got time to wait. We're supposed to go to war. I'm not messing around. Let's sacrifice this stuff to the God. He'll be fine with it. Everybody will be okay. That didn't work out too well. Because God had a rule set up that said, listen, you don't do this, and Samuel's supposed to do this. You do this, and he does this, and we're good. 
So Samuel, or Saul decided to take it upon himself and, and acted on his own rather than waiting on God. Now, I'm sure none of us have ever done that. I mean, I'm sure nobody who can hear my voice has ever acted on their own. Everything you've ever done in your life, you've consulted the Lord. 1 Samuel 15. Let's look at it together. One day, Samuel... Okay, remember? Samuel's the who? Thank you. Prophet. Yeah, remember we do this. Yeah, right? Okay, Samuel's a prophet. Saul was a king. One day, Samuel said to Saul... It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of the people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Verse 3. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women... Children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems to me pretty clear. Right? It seems like a pretty clear command. Go and destroy the entire Amalekite nation, absolutely everything in it, completely. No questions asked. So if you have your, your programs, uh, we've got some fill-ins there for you. I typically do that. The first thing that, that's in your notes is God made a clear command. I mean, this is not rocket science, right? He didn't say go perform brain surgery and build a rocket so we can get to the moon. He said just go destroy completely the Amalekite nation. Men, women, and this is, I mean, I'm like, seriously, this is in here, right? Children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, donkeys, frogs, ants, and especially cats. I'm sure that's in there, right? It's, 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 it's an undertone in the Scripture. I'm positive, right? You can email me. I don't care. I don't like cats. I'm pretty sure it's there, right? God said, go just wipe the whole thing out. Just kill them all. End a conversation, clear command, done, right? It's, this is not hard. So Saul is an obedient follower of God. Next couple of verses, he gets together, you know, just a, a small group of 210,000 warriors. And uh, they, they go over, and there was this group called the Kenites, and they were hanging out next to the Amalekites. They were kind of like, you know, roommates, and they were living in the same land. Saul sends some people and says, hey, dude, y'all better get out because we're going to kill you too if you don't. So verse, I think it's 6, says they packed up and left. They wanted no part of that, right? So uh, verse 7, uh, this is great. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. Period. Not. If he would have stopped right there, if he would have done verse 7, what would have happened? He would have been what? O word. Say it. Obedient to God. He did what he was supposed to, except we get this caveat in verse 8. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, Next word is but, one T, my favorite word in the the Bible. Completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality, i.e. cats. 
Now, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm like, just a few verses later, okay, verse 7, he killed them all, oh, but, just in verse 1, 2, 3, 4, hey, go kill them all, no problem, got it done, no problem. There's not a whole lot of time between these verses. I mean, maybe Saul had ADD or something, right? I mean, maybe he just couldn't remember. Maybe he had short-term memory loss or something. God said, go kill everybody. He's like, sure, I can do that. And then they get there and go, no, nah, I think I'll keep that calf. No problem. Maybe he's like a kid. Have you ever had a kid that you're like, hey, do not do this? And then what they do? They did it. Don't, don't touch the stove. What, this stove? Ah, it's hot. You know, I mean, hello? We all have kids, and you were probably the kid that did that, right? did what you were told not to do. Maybe he was just a softy. Maybe at the, at the point he was getting, you know, he's killed everybody else, and the point he's getting ready to kill Agag, maybe he goes, you know, I'll keep this guy. Kind of like him. Maybe he had some sympathy. Maybe he's just greedy. I mean, they kept the best stuff from themselves and killed everything else. Maybe he just had a lot of greed. But no matter the intention. Whether it was well-intentioned or not, the second thing in your notes, is Saul clearly what? Disobeyed. I mean, he looked at Dad and said, Nope, I ain't going to do it. And he did whatever he wanted. He spared a gag, completely destroyed everybody else. Okay, great. And then kept all the cool, great, plundered stuff for themselves. God said, kill it all. He did not. That equals what? Disobedience. Now, I'm sure none of you have ever done anything like that. I'm sure none of us have, have always, I'm sure all of us have always done exactly what we're supposed to. Have you ever directly disobeyed an order? Maybe from your parents or from your boss or from your wife, men. If you did, you need to listen to the Modern Family series over the last few weeks. I mean, have you ever directly disobeyed maybe a, a directed request? Hey, I really need you to do this. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to do it. Have you ever tried to cover it up? Have somebody ever looked at you and said, hey, you got to do this or you don't do this and da da da. And you're like, okay, I will or I won't. And then you do it. And then you're like, oh my, my, oh gosh. Okay, then let's fix it. Let's see what happens in verse 10. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Okay, they're, they're back. Okay, or Samuel, God's talking to Samuel. He said, you know what? I am sorry I ever made Saul king. For he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was deeply moved when he heard this and, and he cried out to God all night. So early the next morning, verse 12, Samuel went to find Saul. Somebody told him, get, get this. Saul went to the town of Carmel, not by the sea, but another Carmel, uh, to set up a monument to himself. I mean, uh, I, I done did kill almost everybody, and now I'm going to build myself a temple. I'm going to build an altar. This is cool, because I'm that good. He went on to Gilgal, and when finally Samuel found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Say what? Samuel says, uh then uh, what is all this bleating of sheep, you know, the thing, uh, and goats and the lowing of cattle, I hear, Samuel demanded. Can you, can you see Saul's face? Uh, I don't know what, um, 
It's true, he says in verse 15, it's true that the army spared. Did you hear that? It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, the goats and the uh, cattle. Samuel admitted, no cats, right? But they are going to sacrifice, they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Oh, except I gave. He didn't say, he didn't put in there caveat. Notice, notice it says, he said the Lord who? Your God. Not the Lord my God, not the Lord our God, but the Lord your God, Samuel. They, not me, were going to sacrifice the cattle and sheep and all that jazz to the Lord your God because they're the choice ones. See, oftentimes whenever we get caught in the act of disobedience, this is, this is what we do, right? So the next couple pieces. The first thing Saul did is he lied, right? I have carried out the Lord's command. The next thing that happens, he got caught. Samuel's like, uh, I don't know about that. I hear cattle, I hear the sheep, I can see them. I'm not blind, I may be old, but I'm not stupid. Where did these things come from? Because obviously you didn't have them. You didn't take a whole herd with you when you were going to go kill a bunch of people. And then he tried to justify it. And I'm sure you've never done this. But in this case, he justified his actions by uh, trying to do a religious activity. Uh, My army was going to sacrifice to the Lord your God all the best stuff. And that's what we do. Right? We lie, we cheat, we steal, we manipulate. I know you all are surprised that I'm leading this series off because I'm preaching on a villain. I know you're shocked at that, right? You know, we got good cop, bad cop. That's kind of the way we do this, right? That was his idea, by the way. I thought I was pretty good, but apparently not. I mean, we lie. How many of you have ever lied? Raise your hand. If you did not raise your hand, you were a liar. <laughs> Happens every time. I've asked that question 400 times. How many of you ever lied? Yeah, no, not me. You're a liar. That's a whole other preaching session. See, there was this one day, uh, my sister and I, we were playing uh, in our living room after school. Mom and dad were at work, and you have to understand our living room was only like a like 12 by 12. It was, it, we had a, a small house growing up. And mom always said, you know, listen, don't be throwing stuff in the house. Right? Y'all, everybody, anybody ever have that rule? Yeah. Don't throw stuff in the house, right? We got this and that and the other. Don't be doing nothing. Well, one day, lo and behold, I don't know how it happened, pillows from the couch started kind of flying through the air like Frisbees, right? And it was probably more of a malicious, I'm trying to pelt my sister with them, and she's trying to throw them back at me, than it was, oh, hey, this is fun. It was probably more aggressive than that. And all of a sudden... And I'm still not sure how this happened. We had this credenza thingy with all this stuff, and my mom had all these knick-knack thingies in it, and there was this uh, teacup set. Yeah, you know what's coming next that happened. I'm winging this thing at my sister, and boom, she dodges it. I mean, like a ninja, like I've never seen anything before in my life, right? The pillow goes into the teacup set, looks like somebody blew it up with a shotgun, pieces go everywhere, boom! Oh my. You know, mom and dad are home. 
we can play, you know, we can do whatever we want. What they don't know won't hurt us, right? So, I mean, as fast as we possibly could, we retrieved all of the pieces of the broken cups and plates. And, I mean, there were some bigger chunks and there were some itty-bitty chunks. I mean, it was a mess. Now, I was a smart kid. And I knew where the super glue was. Right? So I go to the uh, uh, drawer, I pull out the super glue, we start laying all the pieces out, and I start putting all the pieces together, and I'm matching them up, and everything's fitting, and then I get done and look at it, and that piece should have been on this cup, and this plate should have been over here, and I mean, it looked like, oh, wow, it was just, is it Picasso that does all the weird stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a fine work of art, but my mother did not appreciate it. (laughs) So she got home, she noticed something was out of place, right? Don't you hate that, moms? I mean, you got like this sixth sense. You walk in, you're like. Oh, what's happened here? You're like, how do you do that? You're like one of those people that walks the beach and beep, beep, beep. Oh, there's a ring, a million dollars. Look, I don't know how that works, right? Dads, we walk in three days later. What's up? How you doing? We don't notice nothing, right? I mean, God, you're like homing pigeons. I don't know how that works. She went right to it. What happened? And we hit it. And we put this behind the thing. We moved some other knickknacks around. Put some. I mean, we'd done good. So we did what any good kid did. We just flat lied to her. Mama, we don't have any idea what happened. It was like an earthquake, Mama. We lived in Colorado. Could have got away with that out here, but in Colorado ain't no earthquakes, right? Mama was like an earthquake something. I don't know what happened. And then um, then my sister, who's younger, threw me under the bus. And she said, Mama, he did it. That's the last thing I remember. <laughs> like four weeks ago, you know, I was like. But I mean, that's what we do. We are no better than Saul. You are no better than Saul. Hey, this is a happy message, by the way. You are no better than Saul. You lie, you get caught, and you cover it up. Now, I can just see this conversation between Samuel and Saul. Verse 16. Okay, let me, let me, let me do this. So, uh, Saul was just getting ready to go on. I'm sure he was like mid-breath. He was like... <gasps> And Samuel looked at him and said, stop. And can't you just see him? Yes, Dad. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. Mom's dads. Can't, can't, I mean, wait till your father comes home. Right? This is one of those moments where, where you as a kid or you as an adult or if you've done something wrong and you've got caught and you know it, this is that point where you're like, well, I don't know. What did he say? Gosh, I, I don't know. See, Saul played stupid. By the way, you're stupid too. Right? Because we play stupid, we're like, I don't know, Mama, how the cuss got broke. I mean, I don't know what you're going to do to us, Mama. Yeah, you did. My Mama had this little uh, paddle thingy. You seen it with the, the little rubber string on it, the little rubber ball on it? You know, have you seen those? And they just kind of go. She could do that for like an hour. My mom would buy those in bulk. 
And she would get them, and she'd rip off that little string thingy and then chase me around the house with them. I knew what was coming. My sister threw me under the bus. She's like, oh, I'm perfect. I'm fine. She didn't get in trouble. I took the rap for a lot of things. That's another story. I blacked out. You know, I don't know what happened. But I played stupid. I'm like, I don't know, Mama. What's she going to do? Saul played stupid. He said, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you? Samuel told him this, verse 17. Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you. Can't you hear his dad voice, right? Can't you just hear it? I mean, you've said this something like this to your kids. You've had it said to you. Except for this whole next part, go and completely destroy the sinners, right? The Amalekites until they are dead. Verse 19. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? Samuel did what any good parent would do. Why did you do what I told you not to do? Haven't you heard that before? Why didn't you do what I told you to do? Then Saul, I love this next part. He responds like a typical kid would. But I obeyed the Lord, Saul insisted. Can't you just hear him? He is whining to get out of trouble. That's the next piece. He whined to try to get out of the punishment. I carried out the mission God gave me. I brought King Agab back when I destroyed everybody out. My troops brought the best of the stuff. Sacrifice the Lord your God. Come on. Now, maybe it's just me that's had that same very conversation with God. I mean, you are stomping your feet like you're four, right? And you're throwing a fit. I mean, Saul is basically saying, listen, don't blame me, old man. I killed everybody. Except you know, God. And it was my troops. See that? Then who? My troops brought in the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle and still no cats to sacrifice to the Lord. Right? Saul does what any good kid does. Saul did what my sister did. He throws him under the bus. He tries to redirect the punishment that he knows is coming. He doesn't know what the punishment is. But he knows punishment's coming. Have you ever been there? You're like, oh, dear God, I'm in trouble. I do not know what's going to happen, but something's coming. So Saul whined. He threw the troops under the bus. Have you ever stomped your feet and whined to God? If you have, raise your hand. The rest of you are liars. I mean, have you ever done... I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Uh, have you ever done something and then blamed somebody else for it? Probably not. Sure you haven't. It's just a thought. Then the, the next verse is... Uh, this is the, the bomb right here, okay? Verse 22. This is, this is the, the mom or dad sitting you down in the chair telling you what's up. But Samuel replied, verse 22, What is more pleasing to the Lord? 
your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. 23, rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Oh, snap. And that's huge, right? How many, how many of us, how many of you, because I never do this, how many of you try to please God with your offerings of time, of effort, of energy, of money? How many of you try to please God through your sacrifice? God, I gave up an entire Saturday to help them people. I mean, how many of you have, have, have tried to please God through your good intentions? I gave the homeless dude a dollar at the stoplight, God. I'm a, I'm a good intentions. How many of you have tried to please God because you are busy working for God? Oh, I'm, just, I'm just punching it out for God every week. How many of you have tried to please God because you have such a sympathetic heart? How many of us, truth be told, simply flat do not obey? How many of us <laughs> are rebellious? Now, I know I wasn't. Yes, I was. It says rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. How many of you are stubborn? Don't raise your hand, please. I mean, stubborn like a mule, right? It says stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not good news for us or for Saul, is it? Now, in the, the next um, few verses, I'm not going to read them, but the next few verses, Saul comes clean. says, yeah, okay, I did this, but, but save my pride. Come back with me. Allow me to worship, and blah, blah, blah. Do this, that, and the other. You know, it's all good. Hook me up, okay? Just, just take care of me. And... Samuel first says, no, I'm not going to do that. Then he does say, yeah, okay, I will. I'll go back with you and it'll be okay. And then Samuel has to finish what Saul uh, started because he brings King Agag out. And Agag's like, dude, how you doing, man? This is awesome. You're going to let me go. And he whacks him into pieces. Okay? So he started or he finished what Saul was supposed to do. And then the entire scene finishes this way in verse 35b. The very last part of verse 35 and the end of chapter 15 says, And the Lord was sorry he ever made Saul king of Israel. Disobedience has consequences. Plain and simple. 1 Samuel 31, this is at uh, the end. This is where Saul dies. It's also found in 1 Chronicles 10. We'll talk about that in a minute. Saul groaned to his armor bearer. They're fighting the Philistines, and they got overwhelmed. Saul groans to his armor bearer, and he says, Hey, take your sword and kill me before these pagan Philistines come and run me through and taunt me and torture me. Saul did not want to be abused by the Philistines. He knew what would happen. The, the armor bearer was afraid, and he would not do it. So Saul took his own sword, and he fell on it. Because of Saul's disobedience, he ended up uh, committing suicide at the end of his life. Because see, after this point, 
His life was a mess. After 1 Samuel 15, his life was a mess. Uh, Evil spirits tormented him. He lived in a jealous rage over David. He was so jealous of David. I mean, he just was nuts, right? He was a mess. And he was afraid in this passage of what the Philistines would do. He did not even get a majestic burial. See, once they found him, the next day they came, they took him and the armor bearer's body, they hung it up on their wall, on their city, and posted them there. Some guys heard about it. They went and took him down. They burned the bodies and buried the bones. Now, typically, there would be a kingly processional and all this stuff going on. Saul didn't even get that. Listen to this from 1 Chronicles 10. I don't, it's not up on the deal, but just listen very carefully. This, this is Saul's eulogy. This is on his tombstone. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance. And he did not inquire of the Lord, so the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. What's your tombstone going to read? Now, now I do want to be fair to Saul. He, you know, I want to be fair to him. He was the first king Israel ever had. Okay? He had nobody to look at and go, oh man, that dude totally messed this up. I cannot do that. He, he didn't really understand his role. Uh, you know, he didn't understand the process of kingship. Many people in Israel didn't want a king anyway because they you know, were like, hey, they want a king. We didn't. And so there was some, some division. They didn't like this notion anyway. He, he also deteriorated this uh, uh, tragically declining army situation. And he had to defend Israel you know, against all these enemies on all sides. He really didn't understand his role and Samuel's role. He didn't understand this whole God thing, this whole Yahweh thing. I mean, him and Samuel, they went at it a little bit. And they both had power and authority, but Saul didn't know what he was supposed to do in some cases. And for the most part, for the most part, uh, his efforts were well-intentioned, except when it came to David. I mean, he just blatantly tried to kill the dude, right, in any way he could. Now, for the most part. Now, I'm just, I'm just saying it. I mean, we can sympathize with him a little bit, right? But, the truth is, Saul always seemed to act on his own authority rather than communication with God. Now, I don't know about you, but that plays out in my life on a regular and consistent basis that I'm, I'm a pretty strong type A personality, surprise, surprise, fairly opinionated, I know what I want, know how to get it. Sometimes I just press on through and do what it is I feel like I need to do in that given situation to make the best possible scenario <laughs> for me. And again, I'm sure nobody else ever does that. But see, this needs to serve a warning to us that that even our well-intentioned efforts, we may be doing what we think is right, and it may be done with the right intentions. But if it's centered on our own authority and our own power, rather than reliance on God, there's a problem. See, 
delayed obedience is still disobedience. Well-intentioned actions that go against God's directive is still disobedience. Saul's like, hey, I'm going to spur the king. We're going to take all the good stuff for our people. We'll, we'll increase our stock numbers. It, it's a good intention. It's a good idea. We'll sacrifice it to God at some point. Hey, it's good intention. But well-intentioned actions that go against God's directive is still disobedience. Do not allow your pride, that's the P word, and your own personal justifiable desires get in the way of obeying God. Saul was his own worst enemy. And you are your own also. Disobedience has consequences. So Saul, the tribe has spoken. Because of your disobedience, you are a villain. 